Thank you for watching this online message from Riverstone Church. We hope that this content encourages you and helps you further develop your relationship with Jesus Christ. For more information, visit riverstonechurch.net. There you can learn more about us, view additional messages, submit your prayer needs, and even give online. Thank you for watching, and may the Lord richly bless you.7 says, but to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Therefore it says, when he ascended on high he led captive the host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also had descended into the lower parts of the earth. He who descended is himself also, he who ascended far above all the heavens so that he might fill all and he gave some as apostles and some as prophets and some as evangelists and some as pastors and teachers for the equipping of the saints, for the work of service, to the building up of the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. As a result, we are no longer to be children tossed here and there by waves and carried about by every wind of doctrine by the trickery of men by craftiness and deceitful scheming. But speaking the truth in love, we are to grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ, from whom the whole body being fitted and held together by what every joint supplies, according to the proper working of each individual part, causes the growth of the body for the building up of itself in love. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the reading of Scripture. We thank you for the opportunity to worship in giving. God, we pray that you would continue to work among us for your glory and for your namesake. Jesus, we pray that you would help us, that you would walk with us. Lord, we believe that what you are doing here is special, but it is not unique to us. You are doing it in many churches, Lord. You are doing it in many people's lives. You're calling people to yourself, Jesus, for what you are desirous to do in the earth in this day. And so, God, we rejoice today, O oh Lord, to be able to worship you with uplifted hands that are holy and that are free from the bondages and guilt of sin. God, we rejoice today that we can come and we can give unto you. We rejoice today, O oh God, that we can stand and we can hear the word of God publicly read to us, O oh God. We rejoice in those things for your glory. And we thank you, God, for your presence here this morning. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. We are, again, going to look fairly briefly this morning as really an introduction uh, to next uh, week's message. We will, it is, uh, I do have some things that I think are important, but as we work through some of the gifts specifically, uh, I felt like it was best to kind of break this message into two components uh, for us. And so just a reminder of where we've been in the book of Ephesians, a reminder that each one of us has a gift. As we talked about last week, each one of us has a place at the table. You have a place at the table this morning. Uh, there is a place at the table here in the church for you. And uh, we can't neglect that. Your place is needed. Sometimes we have to rearrange the seats. 
Sometimes we have to rearrange where we're sitting. But each one of us has a place at the table in order for the church to function as God has called it to function. And there's nothing preventing you from stepping forward into that plan that God has for you. If you are seeking the Lord, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, God has a plan for you to serve in his church and for his glory. This particular series of messages, I believe, is a very important one for us. As we look to the text this morning, I don't know that it will be a preaching message as much as it may be a teaching message for us. What I do know is that Riverstone can only accomplish what God desires for us in this community if you and I are operating in the gifts of the Spirit, leading to unity of the church for the glory of Jesus. So my hope is that we would lay a framework this morning for understanding that and for also employing uh, the gifts that God has given to each and every one of us. I want to kind of back up a little bit to verse 8 of this particular passage to kind of give a little bit of context uh, before we move into what I'm going to classify as some introductory remarks, but really uh, laying the foundation for some of what we'll talk about next week. There's a passage that's quoted from the Old Testament in verse 8 that says, when he ascended on high, he led captive a host of captives and he gave gifts to men. Now this expression, he ascended, what does it mean except that he also descended into the lower parts of the earth? He who descended is himself also he who ascended far above all heavens so that he might fill all things. And I just give some brief context there and not spend a whole lot of time. Essentially, what this passage is saying is Jesus was in heaven. He came down to earth and completed the redemptive work. And in the redemptive work, those who are redeemed, he has given gifts. He has given you gifts and he's given me a gift. And we're to employ those gifts for use in his kingdom. That's essentially what it means. I wouldn't dig any further than that. There are some who take this passage to mean about uh, during the three days when Jesus Jesus descended into the lower parts to meaning that hell or Hades or Gehenna or whatever framework you want to put it is kind of in the earth. And I don't think that's at all what Paul is getting at in this passage. I'm not saying those things aren't worth exploring, but what Paul is pointing to in this passage, what he wants us to get at is the idea that Jesus came down to earth, completed a redemptive work for those who were captive by the enemy, and those who he completed that redemptive work in, he gave them gifts to be employed for service in his kingdom. So you have a gift that is to be used as part of <coughs> your work in the church. The spiritual gifts can be <clears throat> categorized in various ways, the manifestational gifts, the leadership gifts, gifts of help, uh, and there is a purpose for kind of putting them into these type of uh, category, categories. And I am convinced that every gift that is mentioned in the New Testament 
continues to be available and in existence today. And this passage in Ephesians is where I rest that conviction. I do concede to you that these gifts are for a defined period of time. In other words, when Paul speaks to us in this passage, he seems to indicate that there will be a time when the gifts will cease. Ephesians 4 and 13 says, the gifts will continue until this, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to a mature man, to the measure of the stature which belongs to the fullness of Christ. So the gifts are to continue until there is unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, until there is a maturity of the man, the measure of coming to the stature of the fullness of Christ. And I would say, I think along with you, that that has not happened at this point. There is not that type of unity. There is not that type of maturity. That there is still a need for the gifts to be in operation in order for all of us as we're coming into the kingdom and God is bringing people into the kingdom in order for all of us to continue to attain to that stature of the Lord Jesus Christ. There is a need for the gifts to continue in operation. When we're in heavenly glory, when we're before the Lord and we're worshiping Him, there will not be a need for those gifts at that moment to be in operation. But while we're still here on the earth, while we're still functioning and interacting with one another, while we're still here but not yet there, there's a need for the gifts to be in operation. And you and I must understand and know that until that day, everything in Scripture points us to affirming, desiring, loving, wanting to see in operation the fullness of the gifts. Building the church into unity has always been an ongoing work since the church's inception. And it will only conclude at the end of the age when the church is in the presence of Jesus and there will be no need for the gifts to operate again because we will be in His presence. Until that time, the gifts that were given to the early church will continue to be needed and operational. Not just needed, but also operational within the church. In 1 Corinthians 13, verse 10, Paul talks about these things. He says, when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away. This is referring to spiritual gifts. Our brothers and sisters who are cessationists, what that word means is that they believe that at least some of the gifts have ceased to exist in our day. Our brothers and sisters who are cessationists of some of the gifts they believe that certain gifts ceased with the death of the first apostles, point to this passage as evidence that the gifts have ceased. 1 Corinthians 13.10, when the perfect comes, the partial will be done away with. The viewpoint is that the perfect is Scripture. And when Scripture came, as written by the apostles, there was no longer a need for certain ones of the gifts to be in operation. I love our brothers and sisters who come from a, maybe a more Baptist or Reformed viewpoint because I love their high view of Scripture. 
I love that they see the inerrancy of the Word of God and the inspiration of the Word of God. I love that aspect of them. But on these issues, many of them have taken a wrong turn. And I believe that firmly. This viewpoint does not do justice to the passage. The perfect here, I believe, is again referring to the setting up of the Lord's kingdom at the end of the age. Things are not perfect now. What Paul is saying is that the gifts will continue until things are set in a perfect order, which will be when Jesus comes again. The gifts work in tandem with the Scripture to illuminate and affirm our understanding of Scripture. So to preach about the gifts of the Spirit, we first, as a body, have to be unified that they actually exist. That they're actually for use now. That they're actually present and should be operational. And I want to admonish and encourage you that they do. The gifts are present. They do exist. So a few weeks ago I asked you, bring your Bible and bring a pad to take notes. So I want you to write this down. Amen. Thank you, sister. <laughs> she brought her pad and notes. I'd like you to write this down. If you have nothing else, write it in the bulletin where the notes section is. The gifts that Jesus gave the church continue to exist today. The gifts that Jesus gave the church continue to exist today. There are other passages of Scripture where Paul mentioned these gifts, most notably 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Look specifically at verses 27 through 31. I want to read that. It says, now you are Christ's body and individually part of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, and miracles and gifts of healings, helps, administrations, and various kinds of tongues. All are not apostles, are they? All are not prophets, are they? All are not teachers, are they? All are not workers of miracles, are they? All do not have gifts of healings, do they? All do not speak with tongues, do they? All do not interpret, do they? But earnestly desire the greater gifts. Paul lists the giftings in some sort of order here, and he concludes by saying, earnestly desire the greater gifts. And this would indicate to me as I read that passage that the greater gifts should continue to be in operation for the church at large. The gifts that Jesus gave continue to exist in the church today. Another aspect that I would share regarding the gifts that Jesus has given to the church is their present-day operation all over the world. I don't normally appeal to experience because experience can change and experience can be interpreted differently. But there are many faithful brothers and sisters who are serving the Lord all over the world who are operating in all of the giftings that Jesus has given to his church. How many testimonies have we heard of the miracle of Jesus appearing to people to lead them to the gospel, a gift of miracles? In my own life, I know of prophetic words that have been spoken to me as I was a young man about my direction in life. There have been others who have spoken to my wife and I prophetically, a gift of prophecy that was operation in the church. In the last RDI, Brother Jay mentioned a testimony that I think he shared before about how his son was born 
deaf and was healed at a young age, a gift of healing. Write this down. The gifts that Jesus gave the church are in operation today. The gifts that Jesus gave the church are in operation today. Scripture also indicates to us that we can and should desire certain gifts that we would operate in in order to help build the body of Christ. In other words, we should desire and pray for and ask for certain gifts to be in operation in our life for the reason of building unity to the glory of Jesus in the church. First Corinthians in 14, 1 Corinthians 14 and 1, Paul says, Desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy. We took a show of hands, we won't, but how many of us in the last day, week, month, year, five years have prayed to prophesy? How many of us have prayed for that gift? And we'll talk about what that means. But the Bible tells us to earnestly desire spiritual gifts. Do we earnestly desire the spiritual gifts that we see in Scripture? Do we earnestly desire what Paul has listed for us in Romans and in 1 Corinthians and in, uh, uh, here in Ephesians? Do we earnestly desire those gifts or are we okay to operate without them? Because we are pretty good at organizing things. We're, we're pretty good, and we didn't follow this this morning, but we're pretty good at putting an order of service together. We're pretty good about praying through and getting them in the right keys and all of these other things. We're pretty good about working through a particular passage and, and knowing that we're going to uh, look at a particular passage and observe it, interpret it, and apply it. That's how we work through the text. We're pretty good at organizing and doing all of these things. But do we earnestly desire for the spiritual gifts to break in among us? I've talked to a lot of you. A lot of you have talked to me. And what I sense as one of the overarching themes of this church is that we're hungry. We're hungry for revival. We're hungry for transformation in our community. We're hungry for transformation in our families. We're hungry to be delivered from even things in our own life. We're hungry for God uh, to do a work. But we're in a culture and a time in which it seems as though that we're okay with the gifts not being in operation, and it certainly seems like they're in less of an operation than what they were in the first century. And could the powerlessness that we see and that we long to overcome in the church be due to a lack of desire for the spiritual gifts to be in operation. Earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. I earnestly desire for my mortgage to be paid. I earnestly desire for God to provide certain things. <clears throat> but do I pray for an even greater, with an even greater fervency to operate in the gifts of the Spirit, or am I, am I afraid of what that might look like in church? Am I afraid of what that might look like in Walmart? 
This morning, Elijah had to be here about 8 a.m. for music practice. I asked my daughter uh, to take him. Life is a sermon illustration, okay? <laughs> Life is a sermon illustration. I asked my daughter, Sophia, to bring him to church this morning. As they were about three or four miles away from the home, her tire blew out. And so she's a new driver, and she did what she should and pulled over to the side of the road and uh, called home. And so Seth and I jumped in the truck and got to the car. I was proud of her. She already had the tire out, uh, trying to figure it out. Uh, but we were able to jump in, get the tire changed, her bring my truck in, us take the car back home. Now, had she continued to drive on that tire, she could have made it to church, couldn't she? She probably could have made it to church, even though it was completely fat and busted on the inside. But the car would have probably been torn up, would have taken her a lot longer. It probably would have been uncomfortable, and the car wouldn't have driven in the way in which it was designed to be driven. And sometimes I think that's how we want to lead the church. We're content to drive on busted tires with no breath in it. We'll get to heaven. We'll get to glory. We'll get to His presence. But it's going to be a bumpy ride that nobody enjoys. And I think for us, the Lord is speaking to us that we have to prayerfully and with biblical wisdom desire the spiritual gifts to be in operation in our life. This is the season for that. In the end times, in the last days, the Bible speaks about a great falling away. And you and I must know, experience, and be in the power of the Lord to see His power at work, to know that, yes, He delivers, to know that, yes, He heals, to know that, yes, He can save from the uttermost, to know that God is at work. But it takes all of us desiring to operate in the giftings that God has for us. God has a gift for you earnestly desire the spiritual gifts. Write this down. Third point, and we're bringing it to a close. I should earnestly desire spiritual gifts. I should earnestly desire spiritual gifts. The Lord's desire for you and I is not simply, and again, I affirm their place, but it's not simply to take a spiritual gifts inventory and to say that's our gifting, because that may simply be natural ability. If the Bible tells me to earnestly desire certain gifts, then that means I can pray and I can ask God to operate in certain gifts that are listed in Scripture that I may, not, I may not naturally have. I may not naturally have a desire to operate in. We need gifts of spiritual discernment. Let's pray for God to give us gifts of spiritual discernment. 
There are moments when I stand behind the pulpit, such as today when God is begin, beginning to move and things are beginning to transition, that I'm standing back and I'm standing there praying and asking God for discernment for what is going on in the moment. God, give me spiritual discernment. God, help me to understand what you're doing in people's lives. I'm thinking who needs to make a connection with who in order to pray, in order to intercede. Who are those who are our intercessors, who have the gift of prayer, who also are operating in the gifts of discernment? That when someone is coming and someone is seeking, the words that they're praying are actually meeting the need that is happening in someone's life. It's a gift from God. There have been times when people have spoken into my life that they know nothing that is going on, and yet it was as if they were at my mailbox reading every letter. <laughs> Spiritual discernment in operation. No, we're not always comfortable with that because the majority of us have been educated in a Western mindset, the scientific method. If you can't taste it, touch it, feel it, see it, hear it, whatever, it doesn't exist. And so we've been led to believe that the spiritual world doesn't really exist. I just hope that when I step over into glory that there's something else there. And if that means I say, Jesus, you're my Savior, okay. But while I'm here, it doesn't really make a big difference. Hey, I've gone back through the Gospels and I've thought about some things. I've thought about the work and the gifts of the Spirit. And I thought about the flip side of that, the work of the demonic spirits. Jesus cast out a lot of demons. The disciples cast out a lot of demons. If we're going to say that certain gifts have ceased, do we also believe that demonic activity has ceased? There's nowhere in Scripture that I see that the demons have ceased. And if we don't believe that demons are active in our day, then we have to call Jesus a liar because the Bible said that he cast them out. If there's nowhere that they stopped, is there nowhere that they got put away? If there's nowhere that they got hanging out somewhere where they're not around here, then we have to say that Jesus lied somehow because what he was dealing with was just a mental issue that was in the mind and somehow Jesus walked them through a process to healing. That's not what happened. They cast out demons. There was demonic oppression that was in the first century, and we've been taught to believe that that was something that happened back then. That's something that happened in a third world country that people just don't understand because they don't have the great intelligence that we have. And it's a lie from the enemy. It's a lie from the pit of hell because what it does is it lowers our guard. And if I don't believe that there's a spiritual world that's operational, if I don't believe there's a spiritual world that exists, then why do I need spiritual gifts? So this morning, in preparation for what is to come, the Lord would speak to you and me to say, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. And if your heart is, I don't want any of that, I would say get your heart right. Get your heart right. Because Jesus puts down the rules for his church. Jesus puts down the way in which he wants his church to operate. 
And through the scriptures, if we believe the scriptures, if we believe this is in the inspired word of God, if we stand shoulder to shoulder with our Baptist brethren and say, yes, it's inspired. Yes, I believe it's inerrant. Yes, I believe it. Then we also have to say that there are rules in which Jesus has said, my church is going to operate in such a way. And right here in Ephesians, we're told there are some gifts. In Corinthians, we're told there are some gifts. In Romans, we're told there are some gifts. And more than once, the Apostle Paul says, earnestly desire spiritual gifts. So what I'm going to ask us to do, and again, I said it was going to be short, and I think I delivered. I'm going to ask our brother to come. I know he's been playing a long time this morning. I'm going to ask him to come, lead us in a chorus of worship. I'm going to ask you to pray, earnestly pray, and ask the Lord, Lord, what are my gifts? Maybe you look in this passage. Maybe you look at 1 Corinthians 12. Maybe uh, you look at some of the other areas of Scripture. And you say, God, that's a gift I would like. Maybe we would say, Lord, your word says in 1 Corinthians 14.1, Desire earnestly spiritual gifts, but especially that you may prophesy, Lord, I desire that I may prophesy. What a big step that might be, huh? It's a time for us to earnestly desire what God wants to do. God is shaking for a reason. He's shaking us for a reason. He's moving here for a reason. And we can't stay the same. We can't stay the same. And so we're all going to be at a place where it's a little uncomfortable, but we're with Jesus. And so it's going to be so wonderful. It's going to be wonderful and glorious. And we're going to go together. Amen? Amen? I want to be with you in this thing. I want to serve with you in this thing. I want to step into glory with you. I want to see you there. I want us rejoicing before the Lord. God has a gift for you. Today, we're going to pray. Be bold today in your prayer. Maybe you want to find a place where you are. Maybe you want to find a place here at the altar. But let's spend just a little while this, this morning praying and earnestly desiring spiritual gift. Stand with me.